remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to and during any question. You can't afford one to court appoint one for you. You understand your rights? Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked. But Hitman over time made your sugar turn to shit. <laughs> Warning. Each episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature. And are for people that are 18 years or older, heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts are. I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. I'm Woody Overton, your host, my co-host. Jim, the hitman, Raffman. What's up, Jim? What's going on, Woody? Hope you're doing well, buddy. How's everybody out there today? Well, I hope everybody's doing well. The, the uh, Y'all, we want to talk about a couple of things. A couple things real quick before we begin the episode today. And the episode today is, is, is titled Officers Down. And it, 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 we feel like we needed to do something talk about what's going on in the culture um, of the world today and, and with officers and stuff like that. But we'll get to that in a minute. The uh, I'm going to give a real quick shout out to our friends at bomb deals and, uh, and promo codes the, the y'all look them up on uh, Facebook. They have their own webpage. Now they have over 76,000 members and they're just a year old. But it's this, uh, they, they list all these codes that they get from Amazon and, uh, you get in, I mean, like 80% off and stuff like that. But they even, if, if you get some of them just right, you get freebies. I got, uh, um, an alert about a freebie the other day, Jim, and believe it or not, I got 96 keychains. <laughs> I know who needs that. <laughs> Who needs 96 keychains? But hell, it was free. Uh, it, it was something that works out when they put up these codes. And and anyway, it's pretty awesome. So, uh, Jim. They are fantastic. But you know what's great? It's actually addicting because uh, I never knew anything about it beforehand. And then I started following them weeks ago. And and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, I find myself looking at their deals nonstop and I got my wife involved with it now, and it's, it's crazy. Freaking it, fantastic! And I, I've been, uh, I've been up at the cabin, and this I had been with Cindy, and 
uh, the girls told me, you know, uh, t- to check and see if the freebie shipped because sometimes if they don't, that they realize they messed up or whatever. And and so when I, I go to check, I said, "How do you do that?" And they said, "Go to your orders and check." Well, I go to the orders, and good lord, I'm, my wife's been going crazy on there <laughs> the, with all the orders that she's made. But it, I mean, you know, you get stuff for eighty percent off. It's it's crazy. But a lot of this is stuff that we really use, and and uh, it's pretty amazing. I think they're actually going to be on Channel Nine this week on WAFB in Baton Rouge because uh, I mean, it's seventy six thousand members and growing daily, and it's just a really cool thing. And they're they're good friends of ours. It's four beautiful ladies from Livingston Parish, and in. They're awesome. They're sweethearts and uh, very interactive with their fans. But they've absolutely blown up real life, real crime. And they're always talking about us. And they talked about us in their lives and stuff like that. And we just appreciate y'all. And just wanted to let everybody know, if you don't know about that stuff, you need to go check it out because it's pretty outrageous, some of the things that they have, the deals that they have. So, anyway, the... um. Let's see. What else, Jim? You want to talk about the live show? Yeah, so we have live shows January 24th and January 25th. Y'all, it's sold out in less than a day. And I think if LSU didn't have a game that day, it would have sold out even sooner than that, which is super cool. We're really looking forward to meeting everybody. It's going to be January 24th and January 25th of 2020. It's going to be at the Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center in Walker, Louisiana. Yeah, um, yeah. Kelly Jennings has been phenomenal with getting that set up, and we are really looking forward to doing those live shows and getting a chance to actually meet and greet everybody. And, you know, Woody and I are extremely personable people, so we're really excited about this opportunity. Yeah, Kelly Jennings and um, uh, I think uh, Crystal Hardison, who's – Crystal, I think it's with Southeastern. Now, the the Literacy Center, they share like a campus with the Southeastern Satellite, Southeastern Louisiana University Satellite um, Campus in Walker. But they have fantastic people, and the tickets went on sale right in the middle of the LSU SEC Championship game. And then the next day at noon, you have the Saints and the 49ers, which was a divisional playoff game. It was a, it's a big deal, right, for home field advantage in the playoffs and stuff like that. But we st- still sold out in you know, like 20, I think it's 25, 26 hours. And a lot of people were like, oh, man, we missed it because I was at the game and that, et cetera, et cetera. But we're going to be doing more live shows, y'all. Um so this will be our, our first one, naturally. And we've got some really, really cool shirts made up. They're going to be posted on the crew page and our websites and all that. Uh, sometime later this evening, these shirts were designed by Blue Line Graphics, which is Brad and Tanya Truel, who are actually stood in their wedding in uh, Brad's career law enforcement still is. Uh, with the with the Iberville Parish Sheriff's Office, both Jim and I worked with him. In fact, I, um, which there's, episode? There's actually a pa- there's actually a patron episode that we did. Oh, was it patron? Uh, talked yeah. about Brad. Yeah, it was the patron episode, uh, knockout. Okay, Is that what we called it. I, I I know which one it was. Where but uh, uh uh what's his name with the knife? 
But yeah, I, I, don't, exactly. I don't remember if that was patron or regular. Yeah, you patron members, don't forget y'all have episodes locked up. Uh, I think we have five, yeah, five hours worth. Yeah, at least five hours worth. And then we'll be adding another one in two weeks. Um, so if you, you know, a lot of people are saying about how they are, are caught up on real life, real crime and missing it. Well, you know, 10 bucks a month and, and you get at least five more hours. Five worth. hours. But that's going to grow every month. And that's not the only thing you get. You get discount merchandise. You get or actually our patron members got first uh, a two hour head start on the ticket sales. That was part of the patron uh, benefits we provided and they bought them Um, uh, merchandise and you get stickers, just all kinds of stuff. Go to our website and look it up or go to patron and look it up. And the different tiers tell you what the different benefits are that you get. And it's hugely important to us y'all to help us, uh, support us financially to, to be able to do this show. And of course, Jim and I both have, you know, full-time jobs and, and stuff like that. Um, but so the, I mean, but the patron money helps us to be able to spend the time that we do on real life, real crime. And it's, it's invaluable. And, and I think we give a lot of benefits. Now, patron members, you've got to keep up with your benefits. That being said, I mean, there's a lot of y'all that are owed phone calls and, and different things. It, it, we can't keep up with everybody because we're not full time and we can't keep up with everybody's benefits. I mean, my wife it does a fantastic job on, uh, getting stuff mailed out every day that, it, but y'all gotta just send us a message and say, Hey, you know what? It's been two months and I'm owed whatever, and we'll get it to you. So we love y'all and we appreciate you. Well, I mean, if you think about it, five hours of listening to the Cajun Queen and all uh, his one-liners is uh, worth that entertainment. These one-liners are pretty damn good, and he's got a few more in there, and those Patreon ones that are uh, that'll have you laughing your ass off. Because I think back on it right now, and I'm already starting to laugh. So, yeah, worth it. I don't even know when I say that shit, man. <laughs> uh, uh, but the uh, yeah, but. anyway i I forget about them it's just y'all it's just us telling our unscripted stories etc but we guarantee you uh at least one a month patron members and plus when we do live videos and stuff like that we're gonna we got a lot more stuff coming up for y'all in the future just really important so the um what am i leaving out jim the instagram oh tell tell us about it I'll tell you about Instagram. So we have maxed out really what we're at. right on the group crew page and Patreon. We can keep doing that, but on the real life, real crime, um, like my page that I have, Woody's, we, we, you know, uh, Facebook only allows you to have five thousand on there, and it's maxed out. And we get tons of messages that say, you know, we're trying to add you, or and they can't. So the best way to do it is actually come go to us on Instagram. Because on Instagram, you can have unlimited amount of followers and following, and, and we can interact that way as well. And anything we do on Facebook, we'll end up doing on Instagram also. Um, so if you want to follow me, it's Jim underscore Rathman. And if you want to follow Woody, it's Overton Woody. And you can also follow the podcast, which is Real Life, Real Crime. So if you go to Instagram, give us a follow. Uh, we'll communicate on there. We'll do live videos on there also post pictures and 
and just different stuff. But we look forward to interacting with you because that's our, it's part of our favorite parts of this is being able to interact with y'all. So, um, go to the Instagram and, and give us a follow and, and we look forward to talking with you there. Yeah. That's, a, it's an awesome. Uh, another tool in helping real life, real crime grow y'all. And it's pretty phenomenal. And I know we've had a huge response in the short amount of time that y'all been working on it, huh, John? Huge. Um, let's see. We've got over a thousand followers for, uh, the real life, real crime one in just a matter of, I don't know, about 10 days, 14 days. Wow. Well, so it's definitely starting to grow. Um, and then ours individual ones are growing as well for the podcast. Uh, several hundred so we want to keep it going um you know we want to interact with all of you and keep you updated with everything and it's great so let's just keep it going let's keep growing awesome and then y'all on our you know about our facebook pages but on our real life real crime friends fans and crew page which is pretty much the only page I go to now that um, I haven't been to my mm-hmm. personal Facebook page. And other than I had to go delete a bunch of people um, so I could have more followers. Cause I was past the 5,000 mark, like you were talking about, but you know, people that I hadn't talked to in years or whatever, I deleted them so I could get more uh, real life, real crime, you know, followers uh, to accept their friend request. But or on the, on the, the crew page, we passed over 10,200 members this morning. So y'all, y'all need to check it out. If you like real life, real crime, go there. Uh, it's a lot of uh, sharing that the members share and, uh, um, the, that we share and stuff. And there's a lot of true crime information on there, et cetera. It's really cool. And it's a private closed group. So you have to send a request to be added and our dream team moderators will get you added in dream team. We love y'all the uh, best moderators in the world. And then we have the, the real life, real crime land yap page, which is over a thousand something members now itself. And that's for anything that's not true crime related. If you know, you want to post videos or, or uh, recipes, you sell candles, yeah, you sell like stuff, that. whatever you want to do, you can put on there and, and we appreciate it. Um, and then we have our regular real life, real crime page, which I haven't, I'm be honest with you. I hadn't been to it in other than the post or episodes when they drop, uh, I hadn't been to it in forever. I think everybody's on the crew page. So y'all can, um, which is great. Yeah. We can grow that crew page as far as big as we want. So let's keep growing that one Right. and the Instagram. It's, it's our person, the, the personal pages that we have for real life, real crime. You're maxed out at 5,000. Right. So I can go on there and try to delete again and, and they keep adding more crew members and so on. But yeah, but Instagram, give us a a, shout out to Instagram. Yeah. Instagram is a really cool thing. And I'm excited to see how, uh, big, you know, you can get it in Jim is spearheading that with, um, another one of our dream team moderators. But so yeah, y'all check that out and check out all our stuff. And you, if you would, uh, leave us a review wherever you listen, uh, like, like us, subscribe to us. Uh, that's one thing I haven't been saying, Jim. Subscribe so that automatically, mm-hmm. uh, uh, when the episodes are dropped, they'll get it. Like when we had, we didn't have to. When we pulled the Courtney Coco uh, episode about who the shitbags are that murdered her, um, the when I, when I pulled that episode, everybody that was subscribed to Real Life Real Crime got it, and in 
whether they had listened to it right away or not. So y'all go subscribe to us. And then if you would leave us a review, especially on iTunes, it does something with the algorithm to help bump us up in the search engines. I think we have like 12 or 1300 reviews, which is a lot for iTunes because it's not uh, the biggest platform by far for podcasts, but it helps us out. So if y'all would do that, we'd appreciate it. And we love all you, you lifers the, um, and we appreciate your support. And it doesn't matter if you can't be a patron, just, you know, like us and share us and, um, and we just appreciate y'all. So the one more thing real quick, Jim, that, that uh, we have a lifer, Amanda Gambino, who, who's a, a hairstylist in, in Baton Rouge and everybody, every client that she has that sits in her chair, she makes them download real life, real crime, whether they listen to it or not, or she won't cut their hair. And, and she's a sweetheart. <laughs> she's a sweetheart, but she, the, um, her husband, um, uh, Dre Gambino, it, it, um, is a, a rapper out of Baton Rouge, but he's not, he's a, like a Christian rapper. He, he's not a, you know, a thug life rapper, et cetera. And at the end, end of today's episode, we're going to uh, play one of his songs. Uh, it's called 10 toes. And, and so we'll get that up. Y'all give him a listen and a like and all that. And again, you know, um, thanks to, uh, Toby and Shelly, Tom play for our intro music. And we also want to thank Chase Tyler and the Chase Tyler band for they, they're, they're constantly supporting us and blowing us up. And, you know, y'all listen to all of them. Uh, um, uh, the, they're all great people. All right. They're all incredibly talented. Yes, they are. We're blessed, man. We got such a, such a, I don't know, a gumbo uh, uh, of different fans that have different professions you know it's really crazy and across the world y'all 126 countries across the world so the um anyway Get some love to australia they're huge oh yeah the the i don't think i got to tell you this last night jim they were talking about that the we actually have someone who's trying to set up a four city tour for real life real crime in australia it would be sometime in late 2020 uh, uh, but they're looking at venues and for live shows for us to go over and do a series of live shows, but we'll get, get to that. And we'll talk about that later on. It'll be later on in 2020, but yeah, we love our Australians. They, uh, Oh yeah. And they, they love great their, people. They love their true crime. So two, and two of our dream team moderators are, uh, from Australia. So, all right, let's get to, today's episode y'all and you know we're raw and unscripted and and unedited and all that but we want to talk about something that just makes me sick um and that's the the culture uh, today and all the cops that are getting murdered and in yesterday just yesterday jim alone i think we had i had two or three different uh lifers uh, private messaged me about friends of theirs that there were cops that got killed yesterday. And, and I was like, you right. know what? And you and I had talked about this just last week. And, and I said, we need to talk about uh, a, an episode where, where we worked, you know, cop shootings, et cetera, but just bring some attention to the heroes that go out there every day. And, and look, cops, teachers, nurses, 
firemen or basically any first responders. I think they're the the most underpaid and underappreciated professions out there. But, you know, the cops are the ones that are getting murdered every day. And and one guy yesterday got murdered. He was pulled over on the side of the road in his unit waiting to meet up with his partner. And then somebody just drove up and, and gunned him down just because he was a cop. And it just doesn't make any sense to me, man, that uh, it, it just – I mean, it just hurts my heart. The the people are are getting killed, and we could we could talk about this forever, like the Baton Rouge uh, shootings. You know, the, the all the cops got killed, and we'll do something on that one day. But we just wanted to touch on it. Go ahead, Jim. There's an unnecessary war on cops, and it just doesn't need to be. Because I mean, they're out there to try to help people. Other there's good and bad in every profession you have. But I will sit here and say that most all the law enforcement professionals out there do the job because they love their community. They love the people that they serve. They're there to help and protect because when you have your worst moments, no matter how bad those moments are, they're the ones that are racing to get to you to provide you help. So whether you've treated them poorly in the past or you've treated them great, they're coming. Yeah. And that's their job. And they do it because that's what's in their heart. That's what, that's what they believe in. You know, they're just truly dedicated law enforcement professionals. And there's a war against them. Why? Because there's people out there that are doing wrong. They can't stay on the right side of the track. So therefore, let's just go ahead and take out a cop. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not their problem. You know, and, and all it's, the, it's, it's unbelievable. The, the culture of, of hatred towards cops nowadays, you know what? They, the, I don't know if it's a generational thing or whatever. I mean, you, you, if it's a generational thing, you could blame it on dumbasses that that eat the uh, Tide Pods and shit, and make videos, right? Or the or the jackasses that uh, open up the Bluebell ice cream in the store and lick it and then put it back in the thing. I mean, that's just being fucking stupid. But the but killing cops. Just because it's the cool thing to do, and, and and I mean, what in the hell's gone wrong with this world, man? Just a bunch of desensitized people that just lost their moral compass, you know. And I never had. I, mean, I could one. sit here and think back to when when I was working the road and in uniform, and hell, I'll never forget. I was. I'll tell you where was that Freedom Fuel on on one ninety in Burgess, if you remember that that yeah. station there. I remember going there one day. And I bought a Gatorade and I was talking with somebody and a guy comes in that I've had foot pursuits with before. And he looks over and he sees me and he's in just where I happen to be talking at. Yes. I was close to where the donuts are, where you can grab them. Who cares. You know? So he ends up saying to me, he goes, Oh, look at that next to the donuts. That's a shocker. I was like, yeah, but I had no problem catching you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they just constantly like to throw the zingers out there. They constantly like to treat you like trash. They don't want to serve you nowadays. They put stuff in your food. Oh, that's, doing the yeah, that's crazy things. shit. Why? Yeah. The, the, uh, writing, you know, on uh, somebody the other day, a cop got something for Starbucks or whatever. And they wrote pig on, on, on the, uh, side of their cup. Right. I mean, I, I guess it's just different, man, for me. That, um, because I remember when it, when it was an it was an honorable profession. I remember you know, times rolling through the hood or the barrio, 
and and the the I knew everybody right and and you know certainly I went down there and arrested a hell of a lot of people they they called me on the street the wolf they they said I was always down there hunting but here's the deal I've been in fights down there where I had no backup where where the citizens came out and helped me you know because I didn't fuck them over but the the if I was getting after somebody it was because they were you know dealing dope and stuff like that but nowadays. Shit, you you couldn't pay me to go in there, you know. The uh, and and people getting shot. Well, I mean, just crazy, man. The execute. So I want to go ahead. Go ahead, finish up. No, no just I got, I got so, some of them are like just straight up fucking executions. Uh, uh, then you got to mention them. You know what? Yeah, all those those fuckers that that hate cops like that and want to kill them. Uh, they all hate them and want to kill them until they need one one day. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll, I'll tell you this. This is one of the trends that I saw, and I know all the law enforcement officers out there that are listening to this are going to know exactly what I'm talking about when I mention this. But one of the things that I noticed, one of the problems I see today is that a lot of people are scared of law enforcement. They're scared of law enforcement because of what they're told growing up. And I can't tell you how many times I've been somewhere where I've had a parent go, Hey, my, my, my kid didn't want to do, you know, whatever, homework or didn't want to do this or that and say, can you tell them what will happen if they get in trouble? Put them in handcuffs. Yeah, right. And I would just look at the parents and I would say, no, I'm not going to put them in handcuffs because then he grows up being scared of us. He doesn't need to. Right. Instead, what I do is I squat down and talk to the kid and just chat with them yeah. because I don't want them to be scared. And I'll tell you what I did with my children when they were younger and they look at a police officer. Everybody's always nervous and scared. No. I'd have my son walk up to a police officer and shake their hand and say, thank you for protecting us. Absolutely. And you know what? You'll find out that a lot of police officers are very human. They have children too. Right. We're not there to put people in handcuffs unless we have to put somebody in handcuffs. Right. You know, and that's the trend right there. Why should we sit there and tell your kid, we're going to lock them up for not going to school or for doing this or for doing that. Just makes them scared of us. And it's creating a culture of kids and people that grew up to be adults do the same damn thing. Yeah. Police officers, we don't go out to work every day to say, hey, we're going to put everybody we meet in handcuffs. Yeah. We're going to put those necessary in handcuffs. We would rather have great contact with the community and not have to put anybody in handcuffs. That would be a great world. Yeah, we, we helped a whole lot more people than we hurt. You know, and that's why I used to train the young cops. You, know, you, you don't have to go out of your way to be an asshole to somebody because there's enough legitimate assholes out there that give you a reason to put your hands on them or do whatever it is, you know? And I mean, go, go out there and help people when you can, uh, you know, if you can't help them, don't hurt them. But I mean, you got to do your job. So I don't know, but I, I think let's talk about, uh, I think Jim at, at the beginning of this week, it was like 119 cops have been killed in the line of duty so far this year. 119 people who got up, went to work to support their family or themselves and never came home that night. And, um, now, I mean, and that's more than two a week. The, 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 it's just crazy. I don't know. That's actually one every two or three days. Right. I mean, and, and none of them are getting rich y'all. So just think about that. You think about, I think about what's going to happen. The, you know, like 
in Chicago, and we have some lifers that are that are cops in Chicago, and, and, and where the culture is so bad, and all the shootings are so bad, and everything that the cops are quitting rolling into the neighborhoods uh, because I mean, you know, getting shot at and and everything. Not they don't quit, but the I mean, they're more reluctant to do actual policing because of the hatred towards cops and stuff like that. And I mean. What's going to happen one day, people? I mean, look when, at when look people at those qu- videos in New York City when they're dumping water on the police officers yeah. just for walking right. through the area. Right. So what, what's going to happen um, is you, you're going to find there are going to be more less people wanting to be law enforcement professionals, and what's going to ha- happen one day when you don't have enough people to man the streets to have be the blue wall and you know people a lot of people think the blue wall is is a derogatory term but actually it's not it's it's the wall that separates good from evil and you know keep fucking around keep doing it and and it you know it keep, it gets much worse than it is you won't be able to get anybody to be a cop anymore you know between the pay and the hazards and, and, and people executing them or shooting them and just, just the hatred spitting in their food and everything else. Keep fucking around America and see what happens. Yep. That's right. Anyway, the, um, so today's episode is officers down and we are going to tell you, Sorry, I was looking at something, Jim. The uh, we're going to tell you a story that, that happened when Jim and I were working as partners. And, and Jim, I'll let you take the lead on, and I'll I'll cut in and out on you. Uh, nothing worse for a cop to hear over the radio than "Officer Down, Officer Down." And uh, so we're going to tell you that, and this is you know a true. Real deal story. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's nothing funny about it. It's, you know, no jokes or anything like that. And and uh, but go ahead, Jim. It was was it Veterans Day? No, I think it was, I think it's uh, uh, Memorial Day. No, wait, no. Which okay. one is no. it? Which so one is in, is in September? It's I'm sorry. It was Labor, Labor Day. Day. Labor Day. Labor Day. See, so I'm getting them all confused. It was Labor Day, so it was September of 2006. Um, it was a when a Monday or a Tuesday. I'd have, I'd have to go Monday. Back to the I think it's, look, it's a, but I think it's a Monday. It was a Monday. So Woody and I were on our week of nights. So we were actually out and about working at that on that day. Re- yeah, real, real quick on that because it was a holiday, y'all. On the holidays, the uh, the night shift guys would cover it like they did when they cover 24 hours a day on the weekend. And it just so happened, like Jim said, that that was our week of nights. And so we ended up, all the other detectives could be off and we, we ended up covering, uh, that full day, that full 24 hours between us. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yep. And I was out and I was doing some following up and I hear, bunch of commotion on the radios and within the city limits of Denham Springs, you know, it's shots fired, shots fired, officers down. And 
you know, as a law enforcement officer, when you hear something like that on the radio, I mean, it's, you, you know who the people are that are involved. You hear officers down. You have that, you know, that fight or flight kicks in so fast. But also, you have such a heavy heart at that moment. Like, my God, this is, this is my brother and my sister that I work with that's, you know, in dire need right now. And when that happened, I knew right where the street was and I punched it. I took off to get over there because every available unit needs to get to that location immediately because officers need help. Um, and so when I got to that location, I was one of the first ones outside of the city police because the city police had a few people there already um, when, when the shooting had happened. Um, and so when I pulled up on the scene, uh, one of the officers, his name is Matt Martello, uh, Matt had been shot multiple times. And what I noticed when I got there was some blood from when they pulled him out from where the shooting happened at. He didn't have time to wait for an ambulance, y'all. He was in dire need of medical attention. And what, what they chose to do... Jimmy, tell him where he was shot. He was, in yeah, the face. He, and, was, and, he, had been, he had been uh, shot three times. Point blank, he was shot in the face. He was shot in the uh, in the wrist, or went through his forearm wrist, and then was also was it the what was the third one? Was that up in the it was a, abdomen area? Yeah. Um, that, that because it was two shots, one into the face, one went down his vest, and then one into his to his forearm. Um, and he was just one of the two officers that were shot. Right. The other officer was actually shot twice. He was shot once in the bulletproof vest and once in the small of his back. So before we get into how that happened and what happened, when I pulled up on the scene, Matt Martello had, they had just taken off with him and he was pulled from where his, where the shooting had happened out to where there was a, one of the police units and they didn't have time to wait for an ambulance because an ambulance is going to have to wait for the, the scene to be safe to be able to come on or they're going to have to meet at a different location. They weren't even there yet. Um, but Matt was in dire dire need of medical attention and so they did exactly what they should do and they loaded him up into the back of a police unit and they had an officer in the back of that unit with him while the other police officer drove that unit lights and siren as quickly as you can to the hospital because from this location to the hospital is about five or six minutes probably, and if it wasn't probably a little bit more than for that, that yeah. action yeah, but go What's ahead. I, I said it's probably a little it, bit it, further than that because the closest one at that time was across the river in, in, in uh, Baton Rouge. At, Alpha uh, O'Neill. Alpha O'Neill, that's right, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. And, you know, and, and, and if they didn't do that, I don't believe Officer Martello would have gotten, or I keep saying officer, I believe it was a corporal or a sergeant. He's a corporal, um, yeah. Corporal, he, I don't believe he would have gotten the medical attention he needed in time if he had waited on an ambulance. So that, that action by his, his law enforcement brothers, um, saved his life in doing that because they were able to rush straight to the hospital, straight, you know, into the pull right in, they're waiting and get him that medical attention right away. It, straight um, in the but surgery. That's yeah. the chaos that I saw when I first got onto the scene. Yeah. So the uh yeah they had to rush straight into surgery and um the hours of surgery yeah i mean like 
I think should have went on. I mean, he he's had multiple surgeries since I believe and all, but the uh, but I don't know. I mean, you know, that's it. I mean, the the and and Hooter, like you said, was shot. And uh, let me give a little bit of background on him. So, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Well, I hadn't I hadn't mentioned who the second officer. Oh, I'm was sorry. Go ahead. That day, that was that was Officer David Hooter. Um, David was the you know the second officer shot in that. He was shot twice, once in the vest and once in the small of his back. And it was actually David Hooter that was able to turn and fire off a shot, which which killed the suspect. Um, so we need to paint a picture of what happened, what led up to that. Right. And I'm going to let Woody talk about it because the person we're speaking about that was killed in this overall, in this whole incident, there was a lot of stuff that led up to this. And I'm going to let Woody talk about that. Okay. I'm going to tell you real quick. Uh, uh, the, the, I had worked with Hooter, when he first came to Livingston, that um, he came from Georgia. I forget what part of Georgia. I think um, right there outside of, like outside. Of, no, I think it was right outside of uh, Chattanooga because I, I remember telling him that I had lived oh, okay. in Chattanooga, whatever. I can't remember the name of that city now. But the uh, anyway, Hooter was an Army vet, that, um, like Jim and myself. And he came, he first went to, uh, we worked the street together in uniform patrol and yet for the sheriff's office on the night shift. And then he later on would move to Denver Springs city PD. Hooter's a great guy. Uh, uh, you know, just, just, he was a good law enforcement professional. I mean, he didn't ever get too excited or whatever. And, you know, just, he wasn't, one of the guys uh, uh, that needed the badge to feel like a man or whatever. He was just a good, solid cop. And, and the, uh, so he, I don't think he had been with Denim, Denim that long, maybe a year, maybe two. And then, um, right. Matt Martello was a corporal. And, and now y'all, let me explain this to Denim Springs is the largest city in Livingston parish. And the, so they have their own police department. Now it's a smaller department, but, um, but the, you know, good group of guys and, and they're, they're the highest paid city police department inside the parish. So they had good equipment and good training. Um, and, and, you know, their detectives were certainly good friends of ours and we knew them all that would work cases. Mm-hmm. But they would call us in, uh, you know, the sheriff's office. The sheriff is the highest ranking law enforcement official in the parish. And um, no matter what, he can have jurisdiction if he so chooses to. But so you have Denham Springs City and then you have Walker City Police and Livingston Town and then the different town polices out after that. But they had a good force and, 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 and some good guys. I mean, you know, the, uh, you know. Certainly Matt and David were not rookies, but this, what happened on this day is they were responding to what we call a, a 911-103D call, which is a domestic disturbance. And they were, it was domestic disturbance. Actually it was, it was a, a, a 103G, which is a disturbance with a, with a firearm. Now they go to the residence of, 
uh, Daniel Anison Jr., who was 46 years mm-hmm. old, and he lived with his parents. Now, his parents are separated, but they had like two houses kind of next door to each other on the street. And, uh, but Daniel Anderson, y'all heard me talk about frequent flyers. Well, he was a, definitely a frequent flyer for Denham Springs city. And the, he was always getting arrested. I think he had over 25 arrests before this day. And, Mm-hmm. The uh, going back for years, including illegal and carrying of weapons, criminal damage, and disturbing the peace. And and just two months before in May, he was uh, picked up after walking in public with a gun. And actually, it was a uh, it was an assault rifle with fully loaded thirty round. Y'all citizens would call them clips. We call them magazines. It doesn't matter. Magazines. So, so he's he's walking down the street with an assault rifle, and I don't know if it was an AK forty seven or an, or AR fifteen, but he's walking down the street with it, and, and it's fully loaded, one in the chamber, and he has another thirty round magazine on his person. So, um, the, I mean, he had, has has had a history of mental illness also. And, and, but I mean, so they knew when they get the call of one Oh three G at their house, first of all, they were like, ah, oh, shit, we're going over here again. Certainly he had never shot any of them or anything like that, but they know that, Hey, you know, this, they probably call many, many calls a year out there. Uh, the, the parents were like I said, were split up and this guy is an adult now. And, the, he has a history of mental illness, and on this day, uh, he was he was off his meds. Evidently, his his mom said, and and he was threatening, et cetera. The day before, she had found another rifle that that he had gotten his hands on somehow, and she hid it from him. Well, what she didn't know on this day was that he had, he had found or I don't know found he had procured. He may have had it. Yeah, he, he somehow. He had a he had a forty caliber pistol, a uh, 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 handgun that his mom didn't know about, but she he was just being all irate and shit and 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 raising hell and this they knew when it got to that point she called nine one one and then she called her ex husband uh, um, his dad and it's like hey he's he's out the box again you know so. Uh, Hooter and Matt roll roll up, and as they're walking up to the door, Matt was in in front of Hooter, and the mom goes to open the door. When she goes to open the door, um, Daniel Anderson runs around her, shoves physically shoves her to the right hand side of the door, and uh, as the door swings open he just starts unloading and unfortunately the map was caught the first three uh at least and and i mean he goes down immediately and hooter catches two and is able to like jim said he turned and fired one time and and so go ahead so when when he shoved his mother out of the way matt martello was literally 
directly in front of the door. David Hooter was off to, if you're looking, if, if you're the officers looking at the door, then, then David Hooter would have been a little bit off to the right and behind Matt. And when the gun came out, he pointed straight out, fired the round, first round, which hit, um, Corporal Martello in the face. He shot again and again. And so one of them went down his vest and then the other one went through his forearm. And so he drops right away. So right when the gunshots happen, David Hooter, as anybody would do, you start to get behind something. You, you have to. You can't just stand there. It's known as a fatal funnel. So yeah. you have to you... find some way. So he retreated in order to be able to, to, to get out of the way to be able to, to you know, fire back. And so before he could even turn to run, he took his first shot in the, in the chest with the vest. Then as he turned to retreat back, there was a, a wooden fence that That's went right. around the house. That's top. right, little uh, picket and fence. Yeah. The picket fence, and he was trying to get past it. And granted, bullets can go right through wood, but it's harder to hit somebody if you can't see exactly where they're at. Right. But he's retreating out of there. He takes a second round in the small of his back. Now, we know that the guy fired more times yeah, he at fired. David Hooter because right. it ended up into the wood of the picket fence. Right. When David got to where the door is to come into that picket fence, he was able to turn and he fired a single shot. And that single shot hit Daniel directly in the heart. Yep. And it dropped him right there. He was deceased before he ever even hit the ground. Right. And it was just one shot. Now... Here's the heroic part of this, and this is where the bond. Well, you know, Woody and I have talked about previously, there's a bond that you have with your law enforcement friends or people that you work with. There's that bond in the military. There's no closer bond that you're going to have with somebody than someone that actually protects your life, that you're putting your life in their hand. And, and in this particular case, keep this in mind, David Hooter has now been shot twice. Now, just because you have a vest on, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Yeah. It hurts like hell. Right. And he took one dead in the chest, was shot in the small of his back, turned, fired around, which dropped the guy and killed him. But he doesn't completely know is that guy officially dead or not. Absolutely. But what does he do? Knowing that Corporal Mar Martello is in dire need of help, he then goes tactically, after calling out on the radio of shots fired, officers down, he knows he's been hit. He tactfully went back up towards the door and grabbed Matt and pulled him out of that entire courtyard. Now, those of you that don't know, when it, you know, there's a difference between, and Matt Martello was not a small guy. No, he was he's probably a big guy. Just six, two, six, three. At least, he was tall, yeah. he was 200 plus pounds plus equipment. Now, somebody that you're trying to carry is, you know, that's 200 pounds is tough, is, is already, but when they're unconscious, and it's dead weight, dead weight. It's even yeah. heavier yeah. because they're not doing anything to assist you in that, in that drag. Here it is. He's been shot twice, yet he's dragging Corporal Martello, you know, tackled out of that harm's way and out towards the street behind a police unit w to keep him protected. That's right. Without, no, without knowing that the, the, the guy's dead, the bad guy's dead. I mean, Correct. yeah. I mean, so without it, knowing it, I mean, he might have suspected it, but he doesn't know that yet. So he's got to keep an eye out for that guy while dragging Corporal Martello out. And what he did is he dragged him out 
out of that out of that picket fence, out of that courtyard, into the street right behind the police unit to where he can provide cover. And that's when the other units came up and they were able to get him into the back of the police unit and get Corporal Martello out of there. That's how quickly it happened. And I'm going to tell you, that is one hell of a heroic move yeah. by David Hooter to do that. I mean, y'all, he'd been shot twice. Yeah. And this happened so fast. And for him to be able to do what he did is incredible. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't teach that, man. That's, uh, it's the love, um, you know, instilled in you, the, 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 and certainly heroic, but, um, I mean, especially, uh, let me talk about this real quick. When, uh, bad guy starts unloading, I, he, he, I remember, and we'll talk about it more in a second. He unloaded his whole, his whole magazine. He, he fired until the, he didn't have any more rounds or he was, he was finishing up his last rounds when Hooter was finally able to return fire. So like I said, Hooter doesn't know if he's hit the guy. He doesn't know if the guy's reloading or if he's going to get a shotgun or whatever. And he goes back in after he's wounded and pulls Matt out and saved his life. I mean, he really saved his life because they were, um, you know, if, if it had to wait to get the scene secure, like Jim said, in an ambulance and all that, there's no way Matt would have made it. So, the, uh, just some heroic shit. And the, some very heroic stuff. So, uh, we get there. Why well, I, I got, I got the page out on it. And, and like I said, when Jim and I were partners, we, if we, we'd split up the weekend or the night part, you know, I wasn't going to call him out unless it was something major. And he wasn't going to call me out unless it was something major. Uh, we'd handle it ourselves. Of course, there's nothing more major than this. And so I got the call and I rolled down. I actually wasn't that far. I didn't live that far away from there at that time. I lived in Watson and, the we roll up uh the first thing of course you you've got everybody in the world's coming you can hear sirens coming from miles every cop in the parish troopers uh dps uh, cops city cops walker police sheriff's office town units from uh, all over the parish are coming you know because it Cops are shot, and I mean it's how you how you roll. But we have to get there and do what we have to do, which is uh, naturally uh, the we we took over the scene and worked it because it's still going to be you know it could be homicide. We didn't know that uh, either Hooter or Matt were going to live, and so we had to work it regardless. And and you know so by by the time we get there, the uh um. I met with, I think, yeah, Gator was still their lead detective. Um, and he ended up being chief not long after that. And, uh, Jones, he's, he's a polygraph examiner also. And I think Patrick McNabb was there and whomever else. But when we got there, said, Hey, you know, they said, will y'all take this? And I said, absolutely. And we did what we, what we do, which was, first of all, we made them widen the, corridor with crime scene tape uh, uh the i mean you know well go ahead one, one thing to kind of mention too is a lot of times you don't work your own police shootings 
you always kind of reach out to somebody else sure. to do the police shootings because that way you have somebody that's not um, directly related always. to the officers involved. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, I, I, so I, I don't think almost always are you, you're going to have an outside agency work your stuff and that stop it, that stops lawsuits and and stuff like that and saying it's you know favoritism or or whatever you know whatever so but uh but the it, we would have done it anyway i mean it's pretty much standard protocol if any of the towns had had a shooting or something like that we would come in and work it um and just like if, if it was one of us uh, the you know the state police would come in and work it. Uh, 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 it's just the way it's done. It, if it's done properly. So anyway, we come in with first thing we did and um, Jim and I got together. I'm like, okay, the, yeah, he, the, uh, Jim told me that, that the guy was 10, seven, the a bad guy, which means he was dead. And, um, so we, I told Gator and then I said, you need, I want blocks carding off. Nobody gets in, I don't care if it's the sheriff. I don't care if it's the chief of police. I mean, nobody gets inside the crime scene tape until we get done processing. Of course, we call it Louisiana State Police Crime Lab to come out and, and collect evidence and, and do photographs, et cetera. So the – go ahead. One of the reasons why the crime scene was getting so much bigger, too, was remember he fired a bunch of rounds at Officer Hooter as he was trying to get his way out, which all those rounds went through that wood picket fence. So we don't know where those rounds ended up. Um, it could be a block away, it could right. be in somebody's window, right. could be anywhere. Right. So that crime scene got a lot larger. And I'm going to describe it to you as I see it when I get up, when I get there, um, where Jim and I are walking up, it, it was a, uh, it wasn't a tall wooden fence. It was a, like a, uh, a half, picket fence a short fence and it had a little gate in the middle of it it was an older it's just a small house maybe like a two-bedroom house and it was a very small yard yard now i know you cops out there are thinking well martello shouldn't have been standing in front of the door if he was responding to a one or three g well you, you didn't have an option on this one to really to approach tactical uh Using tactics, good good tactics, because I mean there was this yard was like miniature size, small, and and there's no cover, and and between the gate there was no cover, nothing between the gate and the front door, it probably wasn't fifteen twenty steps. I mean it's small, so when they had to go through the gate, basically. I, th- I I think Matt made it through the gate. Hooter's coming in behind him before that he, the Hooter may be trying to move off to the right a little bit and the shit, the door just flew up and then, and he's standing right there. I mean, he's it, it point blank unloads on him and thank God that Matt went down with just three rounds and, and uh, then Hooter became the target. But anyway, so you, you, we walked through the little gate, there's blood everywhere. Uh, uh and I mean, and you know, they get you fired up, you know, it's your brother officer's blood or officer's blood. And we were walking up and, and we go and the, the, the parents have been removed. The mom had been removed from the residence at this time. And we're going in to do our initial assessment and you walk in the door and the right 
almost in the doorway itself was the, the uh, bad guy, uh, um, Anderson, and he's deceased, uh, shot to the heart, man. The, I mean, it was no doubt about it. He was dead. And a lot of times on shootings and stuff like that, we let Acadian ambulance come in and run what we call a strip to see if there's any body response. Well, no, this cat was definitely dead. And, um, so there was no need for that, but there were, there were shell casings everywhere, et cetera. Uh, the, we let the, the coroner come in and I mean, just so he can note it and, and, and say, yeah, I confirm he's dead. And then we backed out, uh, uh, nothing else for us to do. Other, other than let the uh, Louisiana State Police Crime Lab guys come in and girls come in and do their stuff and talk to the parents. And so we go, we go to talk to the mom and dad who were divorced but living, uh, and they stayed living right there close to each other because the son would go back and forth between their houses. And, yes, he had a long history of mental illness and all that. But, you know, the parents, that was probably, I can't say the easiest one, Jim, that we've ever did death notification. But I mean, I don't want to say that they were relieved. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they were hurting, but they, they understood. And, and they were actually, and I'll never forget this, the mom and the dad, we told them and said, yeah, you know, the mom knew anyway, said he's, he's definitely, you know, deceased and sorry for your loss. And, and all they were concerned about were the cops or Hooter and yep. Matt and and they were so sorry that it had come to this. And the mom was like, "I t- I just I just took a gun and hit it from him yesterday." And and you know I knew he was getting off his meds again. Well, what happened is evidently he he would get on his meds and he would be doing perfectly fine. And he think that he was doing so fine he didn't need his meds anymore, and he'd start slipping. But I mean, this dude had been doing it forever. One of the, okay. one of the biggest trends with mental health and mental illness. And this is just, this has been, and there's a lot of research done on this as well. A lot of mental health patients are compliant with their medications for a time period and they're doing fine. But at some point they decide, well, I don't feel like these meds are doing anything for me anymore, or I'm kind of tired of having my head feel like it's in the clouds. So they're like, but I don't need the medication. I'm fine. So they stop. And that's always been a trend, whether you're bipolar, whether you're schizophrenic. Right. That it's just a trend where you're compliant with your medications for maybe two, three months, and then all of a sudden there's that one month where they decide they don't want to take the meds, and then you know stuff ends up happening. Right. Yeah. And then I mean the uh, and it goes back, and I, I I'm go ahead cut off the questions now because the first thing that everybody's going to want to know is if he's got this long history of mental illness, what the hell is he doing with firearms? I can't answer that for y'all. The, um, but I mean, other than you can go down the street and buy anything you want to basically. So you don't have to go up to a, a gun dealer to get a gun. You know, I mean, bad guys have guns that, that plenty of bad guys have guns that have criminal records, et cetera. And obviously this guy had a lengthy criminal uh, record, but he, he was always getting his hands on guns. As a matter of fact, his parents said he was uh, obsessed with guns and knives. So, but the, the, well, the one thing that stuck with me though, again, was the parents, even though they were grieving the loss of them, it was almost like they were almost like relieved in a way, but they were, they were more concerned about, um, Hooter and, and Matt. And, um, but I mean, you know, we, once, once the scene was, 
worked and, uh, and evidence collected. I, I, Jim, I, I think he fired 12 or 13. I, I'm not sure how many of what hell. I, I think that weapon was uh, fully discharged, but they, they collected. It, it was, it was fully, it was fully discharged. And we know that he shot, he actually shot four at Matt Martello from what we're believing, but I think he missed the one as Matt Martello was going down. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that was the, that, that went, that didn't even hit the wood. It actually hit across the street. Right. That's right. Um, but it was, and then all the other rounds were fired at, at Hooter as he was running, and it's much harder to hit a moving target. Let me tell you all this so, too: the, the the bad guy was shooting from an elevated position. It was a small step up porch, uh, like three steps up, and, and that opened the door. But it wasn't a wide porch or anything. So when he throws open the door, that he has a height advantage also, and, uh, a couple steps up on him, and he just fucking unloaded on him, and um. Anyway, the, 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 so they get done working the scene and, and we basically would tag him and bag him and take him out. Uh, of course, an autopsy had to be done because it's still, uh, I mean, we didn't know if Matt and them were going to live and everything else. And you don't know if people are going to come back and sue or what have you, but it had to be done. And, but that's what killed him was a shot to the heart. And um, it, that's what the autopsy showed. And that's it. I mean, so, I mean, I just, you know, every every single day, every cop you see, think about, and, and people love to say about cops writing tickets and shit. I mean, I, know, I can give a shit about writing tickets. I hadn't wrote a, a, a whole book of tickets in my entire police career. But, you know, people want to hate on cops or write tickets or do whatever, whatever. You know what? You hate them until you need them. And, you know, and it, you ought to, you ought to thank the way them. It goes. You really ought to thank them, everyone that you see. That, uh, um, because one day, God forbid, and uh, we can tell you this from, from dealing with thousands of people who never thought they would have to call 911, who never thought they – they they would be the victim of, of a crime or a violent crime or a burglary or whatever. And, you know, that's when, that's when you have a, your appreciation for law enforcement. Most of the time. We, yeah. You don't, you don't know what that, what, what that shift has been like. I mean, I know shifts that I've been on before where, you know, one, one in particular, I, I had a bad domestic got, got the guy attacked me there in the domestic. I was punched in the face that night. Um, you know, got him under arrest, got him to jail, came out. And a few hours later, there I am saving a guy's life on the side of a road who was ejected from a vehicle right. as he and his friend thought it would be cool to do a little drag racing. And, you know, he was, he was ejected from the vehicle and now I'm sitting there saving this guy's life. I yeah. mean, you just, you go from one extreme to the other yeah. Yeah. and, you know, we didn't get into this job to get in fights with everybody. We got no. into this job because we want to help our community. Right. And we want to serve the people that, that, that are within our city or are within our, our county, our jurisdiction. And that's what we do the job for. Yeah. Um, we'd rather have a hell of a lot more good encounters than bad encounters. Right. Um, but you just never know what they're going to go through. And of course, when you need them most, I mean, hell, how many times would in your career? Somebody just always treated you like shit, but that one day they need you. Oh yeah. You know, they're they, quick to call. Yep. And, and, the, and they're going to come. Law enforcement is going to come. We can't sit there and say, 
well, no, they treated us like shit this amount of times, and they bashed That's us exactly here, and they've right. done that. So yep. we're just going to slow roll or not go at all. Yep. We have to come. You're That's right. our job. We're, and they do it anyway. We're going to come. We would come and still treat you like a professional, no much no matter how much of a dickhead you are uh, or how much you hated us or did whatever. I mean, we're coming because that's what we were sworn to do. And, you know, so y'all think about that when you, when you see a cop, uh, uh, we're not certainly, we're not saying all cops are good, but no, no profession is 100% good. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what it is. The, uh, so, but the majority, but the majority of law enforcement out there are great people. Great people. They will do anything in the world to help you out, and that's just who they are. It's in their blood, and that's what they choose to do. It's in. Yeah, you know, I, I have so much respect for those that are willing to go out and protect and serve, just like I have so much respect for those that put on a uniform and the defend military. this country. That's right. I agree. You know, it's 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 what they feel in their heart and. And they go out and they do it. So y'all give some love to the law enforcement out there because they most certainly need it, especially in today's society. That's it. And, and you know, the, a random act of kindness or a hi to a cop or a thank you, uh, um, you, you know, you, that cop might have just came from working a dead baby. You know what I mean? They might need that. And so uh, uh, even though they're sitting there with a stoic face or what have you, Show them a little love, you know, pay it forward or whatever. Let's try to turn the culture around, man. I'm not one to get on a soapbox and box and preach about shit, but it's fucking enough, man. 119 dead people getting assassinated for putting on a badge and a gun and going to protect other people. And, and they ain't, they're not making any money y'all. I mean, the, I mean, and cops have the highest divorce rate and, you know, uh, all the other things that go with it. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. They don't do it for the money. They do yeah, it for the love. They do it for the love. That's right. And, and, and certainly we, I didn't do it for the money. I did it because I loved it. And, and so thank a cop, uh, hug a cop or do whatever, you know, um, maybe one day and, that same cop that you get, uh, give a hug to or a handshake to and a thank you to might be the one that saves your life. He might be your David Hooter that pulls you out of the line of fire when somebody's unloading on your ass. That's the truth. And and for those that want to know the status of those two officers, uh, David Hooter made a full recovery, was working. Uh, I know he had to take some time off for to to heal, um, you know, in physical therapy and so on, but he came back to work was able to work again. Matt Martello um, had some permanent uh, damage that was done to his arms, um, but he made a full recovery. He made a recovery and was able to come back to the police force. Uh, he was more into investigative as opposed to working on the road because he still was able to have you know his incredible mind and was able to you know still do investigations and be able to help. In those, in those areas. And, uh, we're just incredibly thankful and grateful that all those on the scene that day and his law enforcement brothers, and I say brothers because there, there weren't, uh, female officers out on this particular scene. Um, but they were able to get him to the hospital and get him that medical treatment 
And David Hooter, man, you've done a hell of a job. Haven't talked to you in a while. I love you. We used to have some really good talks. We even had a good talk a week before this incident happened. Um, but they've done a tremendous job. Um, and so all those involved with that just did, just did great in saving, saving an officer's life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's it. Yeah. So that's it, y'all. Um, I don't know. Appreciate the love and support from everybody. Yes, we did. Um, we definitely like we told do. you earlier. If you want, you know, five, six hours worth of uh, more entertainment, go to the Patreon group, sign up, $10 and up, get on that. You got five, six hours worth of entertainment. We keep adding to that. Yeah, and you get you, know, your, you get all your a month. you get your free stuff too. I mean, st- we got yep. we just got in our new stickers. Uh, um, and I know Cindy's been busy mailing it out to everybody's owed the uh with our new logo with mine and Jim's name on it. Um, just a bunch. It's a bunch of stuff. But yeah, the and it, of course you got to go hear the the Hitman episode. Uh, that's one of the five that's put up, and we're gonna put up a really really good one on january 1 to begin 2020 and but um we love and appreciate all y'all and um keep liking us and sharing us and all that good stuff and we'll keep doing what we do and um that's it give us a follow on instagram give us a review on itunes or wherever you download your podcast from we look forward to interacting with you guys yeah, and we appreciate y'all. We love you. And till next time or ever, don't let us catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Peace.
heartache and heartbreak or break it down if you let it. You better tell the gun at all times. My city is deadly. We live like DMX and eyes out belly. You say smoke, but I don't choke. Watch how I French your head. I see some shit I'm taking to my grave. I never tell it. Say what you want, but niggas know that I don't mind being fed. No need to deck them up the Glock. I'm trying to real life stretch. My life, but it's not a walk in the park. It's like running with a sword and a pitch black dog. I don't know when it's gonna end, and I don't know when it started. They keep telling me keep faith, but sometimes I feel hardest. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, host of Dialogue. I'm also the creator and host of Yellow Tape, a true crime trivia show in New York City. In these live shows, we cover the who, what, and when of popular true crime cases, but we can't always deep dive the way I would like. That's where this podcast comes in. Dialogue picks up where Yellow Tape leaves off. Each week, I'll interview professionals, podcasters, and players in the true crime space. We'll attempt to answer the why of true crime, why we love it, why it happens, and what we talk about when we talk about true crime. And yeah, we'll probably play some true crime trivia too. So, are you ready to explore the heart of true crime with me? I think we'll have a killer conversation. Be sure to subscribe to Dialogue on iTunes today. And download the premiere episode of Dialogue wherever you listen to podcasts starting July 31st.